and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Today is our first episode of our mini-series. So what our mini-series, our mini-sodes, whatever you want to call them, will be for A Nightmare on, on Fear Street, will be following a TV series. Because one of the things that Sheree and I both enjoy a lot is how horror has kind of infused the television market more so than it has in the past. And this one specifically is going to be over um, uh, the series is going to be over Lovecraft Country. And this episode is, of course, episode one, Sundown. So if you haven't watched episode one, take your asses to HBO and fix that or whatever website you got online and fix that. No judging. No judgment here, but go somewhere and fix it. Unless you don't care, in which we don't care, and nobody cares, so here we go. <laughs> I do want to add, before we get to any further, because Trey can attest to this a little bit more than I can, but one thing that I want to make sure that we say is this can be a little rough for some people. It's dealing with the racism. It, it, if you don't know, the show is set in Jim Crow era, which is awful. Um, as a white person, I was in- uncomfortable at times, and even in this first episode. So I was like, I can't imagine being a black person, or a black, especially a black person in like a small town, or in the South, or like in general, really, but like specifically those areas. Um, so I just want to preface that with like, if depictions of like extreme racism affect you or like whatever, take your time, or don't watch it. it you know, self care is health care. Ain't it though, ain't it though. It, it took me two times to get through it because I just could not in this current climate that is 2020 in my weird corner of the world. Um, <laughs> so let us get to the good stuff now that we have that content warning out there. Sure. Um, first things first, I'm here for reimagining the works of races with uh, Black as Fuck cast. Do more of that, please. HBO, if you're listening, hi. <laughs> Yes, for sure. And one thing that I want to say, I'm really here because HBO has been doing a great job at this, but other other TV, I think, is coming along on this as well. But like educating people, because our education system specifically dealing with issues on race is very lacking. I mean, shit, mm-hmm. I live in I, I live in the South and because I am a Southern lady um, and like I, no joke. And I'm, I, I don't, this is not me being sarcastic. This is not me being like um blowing things out of proportion but i was legitimately taught that some slaves enjoyed it that they didn't want to leave slavery some of them just stayed because they liked it so much because their slave owners were so nice to them fellow white people specifically if you live in the south and if you were taught this it is not true (laughs) it is the opposite of truth (laughs) it is the opposite the ones that did stay is because they didn't have a, a choice or nobody told them the news. That's why we have Juneteenth. And so, because, and also, like, I was unaware of Black Wall Street until I watched Watchmen. And so, I really appreciate these shows who are giving parts of our history that have either been ignored, whitewashed, pushed to the side, or glazed over, and putting them to the masses. With Lovecraft Country, for me, and this, especially this first episode it was writing the guidebooks. I was taught about the guidebooks briefly in school, but it wasn't, I I never 
got the experience of riding one and having to like go into the unknown where you could be killed or and having these experiences and coming back and writing about them um i hadn't put myself in that situation so i really appreciate this show specifically for hitting on that part of the um, civil rights history and all that I agree that they're doing good work with shows like this and Watchmen, but I also wish that they would find a way of giving a content warning for using actual racial trauma, because I did not know going into either show what I was going to see specifically. And of course, they both open in very, very rough places, which is a lot because we all have our own issues and baggage we bring with us when we consume art. And so just having like a trigger warning or a content warning saying depictions of realistic <laughs> um, violence from this time or era yeah. would be cool. Yeah, and just like they list, especially for HBO. God, yes. Just like they list- uh, Nudity. Nudity, sex, yeah. assault. They list all the violence or whatever. They list yeah. everything else, so why not put like racial violence? And it's something that's always bothered me and not just for specifically like black people, but like when somebody delves into like the Holocaust for their story for whatever reason. And I'm just like, if you're going to go there, fine, but don't just like hide it in your like movie or show. You need to like let us know. Um, that's an ongoing thing I have. And I wish that someone listening was able to do something about it. But moving on to the Maybe show. There are. Maybe HBO exec is one of our biggest fans. I would love that. That would make me so happy. Tell Michaela Cole I love her. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> and if you're a white person, if this makes you uncomfortable, good. Yes. Uh, but back to the show. So we open up and we have our lead, Tick, who is in a battlefield and it's black and white and we don't know what's going on. This is when I, as a person, I'm just like, Whenever I see black soldiers in period pieces, I have two questions. One, did they get a say in being there? Two, were they fighting for the rights of people who still wanted to own them or people who still owned them at the time? Because that is this nation's history. And so I, I don't get to be like, oh, this is a war and it's fun and like patriotic. I'm just like, what level of bullshittery was added to this person to put them here? Well, and we get into more of that later on in the show, in this episode, too. But yeah, and the way this opening intro is shot, I think, really foreshadows this episode. And, and really, um, yeah, the, the full context of this episode. So we start with this black and white. It's very realistic, very, like, bullets flying everywhere. It looks like World War II, but I couldn't place the actual war. Yeah. Um, well, then he climbs out of this trench. Um and you see it's like aliens everywhere and it's like weird monsters and then it starts to get colorful. And so we come from this realism place to this fantastical place as the scene progresses. And that really shows the progress of this episode. It got so um, wild so fast. And then this like red lady from a spaceship comes down and they're like having this weird love embrace. I don't know if you caught that, but it's kind of strange. It was real strange. And then Cthulhu comes up and then Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson <laughs> saves the day with his baseball bat, and then but then Cthulhu reappears and he kills him again with his baseball bat. This is a good baseball bat, y'all. If they don't make him like that anymore, literally, like I a switch army knife like it does everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, then we learn that this is all just a dream. That Tick, the main character, is um, sleeping on a bus. 
And what a bus ride it is. Um, the bus lets us know that we are definitely in Jim Crow era. Um, we get to like see this cute little relationship he has with the black woman on the bus because of course they're like I, the only two people of color on this entire bus. Yes, well he wakes up because the bus like bounces and she's like just going over another bridge named after a slave owner. <laughs> and then he reaches <laughs> his hand out and flips the sign off. It was, it was a good moment, I like that. It, it was my favorite meeting of two characters, and I hope that old lady comes back, and I hope she comes back as a person, not some random alien to eat anybody and give me nightmares. Um. <laughs> the bus breaks down, mm-hmm. and they have to get off the bus, and they're waiting for their next ride, and then um, basically the two black people on the bus have to walk. Yep, um, which is dangerous because Jim Crow era. And we don't know how far it is. We don't know where they are. We don't know anything. So they're walking and talking and having some joyous moments. And uh, he brings up his father. And that's why he's going back home. His father is missing. She asks him what he was dreaming about. And he tells her it's it's this story written by... So he was this guy, whoever that wrote the story was an ex-Confederate soldier. And um, the woman said, he fought for slavery. You don't get to put an X in front of that. Boom, Mm -hmm. mic drop, everybody go home. Uh, (laughs) All you people arguing for a ugly statue about slave owners, it's gross. Um, Yep. Yes, so then we go to Chicago and um, we meet Courtney B. Vance as Uncle George Freeman. This is where my little black nerd heart nearly leapt out of its chest. I, we don't see Courtney B. Vance enough. Like he was everywhere in the 90s. And then it was this awful long year and you knew we would need him again. So he magically reappeared. And I'm here for it. So we meet him and his wife, Hippolyta. They're in bed and they about to get some bouncy. Uh, they are so in love and I'm so here for it we need more happy black couples in all media it was so sweet and we find out that um, we find out that George Uncle George is uh, he goes out and um, experiences these things and comes back and they write guidebooks for black people while they travel so they know where it's safe and where it's not safe we find out that he's about to leave for another one and she wants to go with him because I think this is a very interesting character mm-hmm. arc that he makes throughout this episode. But he, so she wants to go with him or she wants to go instead. And he's like, no, it's too dangerous, essentially. And then they end up having some good times, as they say, with their daughter awake in the living room. <laughs> right? The right? Look, the look she gives when she hears them is so precious to me. <laughs> The only thing that upset me about this whole situation is when Tick comes in and scares her and they run out of the bedroom and like they're all hugging him and nobody's washed their hands. And I know for a fact hands were in places because they were having a good morning and we got to do some of that. And so I'm just like, I, I understand, but also I can't not unsee what I'm seeing here. Perfect. <laughs> So yes, uh, she gets annoyed and like starts to leave the living room and she opens the window and there's Tick standing outside. We at this point don't know that there's a relation between the two. So it's kind of like, oh, hello, character that I just saw. Uh, (laughs) And she screams and then the parents run out of the room 
and uh, Uncle George is the first one to see him, and he said, oh, it's just ticked, blah, blah, blah. So they have this beautiful reunion, and it's beautiful. Then we go to the bookstore that is owned by Uncle George, and this is where they sell the guidebook, essentially. Um, and they're talking about his father, Tick's father. What, what is Tick short for? Atticus? Yes. Which they is talk about Atticus's father, and they talk about H.P. Lovecraft, the racist. Yes. yes. Let's, I need <laughs> to do the love... No. Lovecraft is first. He puts up the book, and he's all like the whatever Negro. I didn't write the title down. Anyways, I talk about H.P. Lovecraft's racism. It is very interesting. Now, see, okay, I'm not fam- super familiar with Lovecraft's um, stories and stuff. I mean, I know Cthulhu, and I know mm-hmm. most of his stories are, like, really dark and, like, mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. the madness kind of situation. Um, but apparently he was extremely racist. Yep. Um, the title of that book that we can't remember... Or a poem or whatever it was. I don't know if it was a whole book or not. We'll just be like racist book. People will remember. Yes, the racism book. Um, there's a, a essentially a section of that that when, oh, because Tick is obsessed with sci-fi writers and like uh, they had a specific term for what they used. They called it back then. That was yeah. a, it wasn't formal writing is essentially what they mean. But he likes adventure stories, essentially. Um, which his father always hated him reading. And so when he got, it, when he started reading those books, he would make, the, when he saw him reading them, he would make them, him read this section of this H.P. Lovecraft book, which is extremely racist, which is a really fucked up form of like punishment. <laughs> I don't know. Like, right? Read this racist stuff. So you'll <laughs> stop uh, getting on my nerves. That does not work. <laughs> well, and like, we allude to the fact that he, Tick and his father do not have a very good relationship because and this going back to your first issue with the opening uh tick is in the military and his father highly disagrees with that life choice that he has made yes which is another reason why i want to know how he ends up in the military army whatever it is and so they talk and then he reveals this letter that his father has sent him that says his father has found out something about his mother's heritage and a, uh, a birthright that is Tick's and that he needs to follow him to what uh, Tick thinks is Arkham. Massachusetts, I think. Massachusetts, yes, because everything happens in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take it up with Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Not my choice. <laughs> Yes, and then the Uncle, Uncle George looks at it and says that it's a D and not a K, which is Ardom. Essentially, they make a plan that Tick is going to go with him on his uh, guidebook journey this time, and they're going to go on, on the way. They're going to stop in Ardom and see what's going on. And this, I believe, is when he walks out and we see the safe Negro travel sign, and we start Tira Wax clones which I love Tira Whack and I love clones, but it was like, are we going to play with time as well as all this other stuff we're playing with? Or are we just using current music? I don't know. I, well, I could be wrong with Lovecraft, so you never know. But I always love using like modern music with period pieces mm-hmm. because it makes us, it allows us to link ourselves, our current self to where we were then. Ooh. 
So I can I can identify with tone and energy that this that Tick is feeling for his hometown, Chicago. I don't know if I've said that or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by list by hearing the sounds of my current time. I just like the song, so I was going with it. But it was also like, is this a clue? Are we are we in a different time era than I think we are? But here's where we meet Letty. My favorite. I love her so much. A queen is born in her first scene, y'all. A queen is born. Truly, truly, truly. Uh, her sister Ruby is performing. So there's this huge block party that looks like a fucking blast. The amount of this scene of like black joy that we're seeing is kind of refreshing. Right. What we're about to go through. <laughs> right. And even like Ruby, who's doing the music at this point in time, is like, I know y'all don't want that boring white shit on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to have some music tonight. Um, yes, her dress was everything I am in love. Yes. No, this costume designer gets it. Um, gets it, oh, hands down. I wish I had thought ahead to Google this costume designer. That's my bad. I will do better before the next episode because they gets in it. It hurts. Um, I mean, I could see girls wearing that today. Anyway. Um, I wear everything there today. Whether or not it's for me and my body shape and my <laughs> colors, I would wear it. I'll be out here in some red push-up pants tomorrow. Right. Like, <laughs> don't at me. So, um, yeah. Letty's sister Ruby is performing, and it's really fun and upbeat, and Letty's on the side. And so Ruby's asking for this next song. What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? And they re the audience realizes Letty's there. And they're like, oh, is that Letty? Is that Letitia? And uh, they, the crowd essentially, you can tell there's some tension. Yes. Some looks there, you can tell there's some tension. Them but, sisters have a history. Which we get to a little bit later. Uh, and so the, but the crowd convinces them to go on stage together. And they sing this really fun song. I forget what it's called now. And it's great. Well, then after the performance, we figure out that Letty is there because she needs a place to stay while she looks for a job. We get some tension here, and it's a really interesting class discussion that we kind of get a brief moment of. Letty's all here for like moving to the north side, which is where the black people don't go, and thinking she can get a job downtown in Chicago. And Ruby's like, no, I've been trying to get a job downtown for years. We live on the south side. And what I love about this conversation is it's still kind of a conversation now. As somebody who just spent four years in Chicago, it is super segregated. Like, I, I was definitely a North Sider, but I knew for a fact that most of the Black-owned businesses were in the South, and there are theaters out there and what have you, but it's hard to get to them and from them. So, like, people I worked with would always have to, like, be like, I have to be gone by this time because the last train to Pilsen goes here or the last bus goes here, mm -hmm. or having to lift constantly. And so, like, that segregation is not gone, but also it's everywhere I've lived. There's always a dividing line. Um, so, yeah, saw it, clocked it, one dimension it. Um, and we find out that Letty was not there for their mother's funeral. And that we it, don't know their relationship, so maybe that's the right call. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and I tend to agree, but that's part of the tension in this relationship with the sister. Because the sister tells her where she's living now and, and that she can stay for two nights. And, and Letty's like, well, what happened to the, house, the room in this place? Because that place is a shithole. Um, and her sister's like, I had to pay for mother's funeral. And Letty's like, <laughs> I can't argue that. <laughs> Mic drop. 
<laughs> so we go from oh, and then we see Tick in his shirtless glory, and it is gorgeous. Let's just say that. Betty, like who that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, ooh, that, oh, that, ooh, I'm glad I'm watching this show now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ruby tells her that it's Tick, and then we get the idea that they have history together as well, um, which makes sense because they both grew up in. I was not history. Oh, on the bus, he was reading a book called Sundown. I missed that. And that's who wrote the thing. Yeah. Anyway, we talked about this earlier, listeners, but that's the book that the ex-Confederate person wrote and the woman said, can't put an ex in front of fighting for slavery. So he goes to his father's apartment and he's looking through all this stuff. And then he decides, I'm going to call my boo, who I left. And so he dials 20 billion numbers and the woman picks up and he doesn't say anything. And then she says, Tick, is that you? he um, still doesn't say anything. And this was a really interesting line choice for the writers. She said, you went home. I told you you shouldn't have. I need to know if home is Chicago or Earth or a different time period, because I have questions. She said, I told you you shouldn't have. And yeah, it's just, and her tone is very pointed and like very accusatory. I don't know, it was very, very, it was a very interesting choice. It made me feel like they were not a couple. It made me feel like he was supposed to be where she told him to be and it's gonna be some drama. Right. So then um, after he gets on the phone with her, well, he just hangs up and then we go to the next day and they're getting ready. You're getting ready to go. So like Letty is like throwing her stuff in the car because she didn't go stay with Ruby for those two days that Ruby gifted her. Um, George is saying goodbye to his daughter and his wife, and the daughter's giving him a new comic book, and they have a whole little family bit that's very happy-making. Yeah, well, it's interesting because it seems like, okay, so going back, I think a lot of what Uncle George's arc is, is his respect of women. Or like, not, not necessarily respect, but like respect of women's power, women's strength. Yes. Because, you know, the wife asks if she can go, and he says, well, it's too dangerous for you. Um, and then, but the, and he, it seems like his daughter has been giving him comments of this a male character that's based off of him. But this one is a female character that's based off of her mother, which is an interesting choice. So yeah, she gives it to him. It's really cute, sweet. I love it. And then we're off on the road. And while we're on the road, we hit up a James Baldwin speech, which is always the way to win me over. Um, and so, like, we have, like, James Baldwin narrating them as he set out on this adventure in this episode where we know we're about to encounter some sundown towns. Yes, and, and they cut it in and out throughout this whole section. They stop at a gas station, and them children need they, needed their asses beat. Um, it, it's this group of white kids, and they are clearly doing very racist things at these, at our protagonists. Um, including making monkey sounds and, you know, just very vile and disgusting things. Blatant racism. While I think that, I think the James Baldwin thing was going to go on to become the American dream and the American Negro. So it's very, very on point for what is happening because this is not the dream. <laughs> um, and they're setting out as if this is going to be something that's not going to be what it is because you have to have hope i guess i don't know and then we get another so going back to uncle george's arc we get another moment where 
Letty says, well, if I can't drive, well, Letty, I think, asks to drive, and Uncle George says no. Women can't drive. Um, and Letty says, well, if I can't drive, I get to pick the radio station. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we get to our beautiful diner. This is when I picked up my phone and I tried to check out. Um, <laughs> and that's why I had to rewatch the episode because I knew this was not okay. The tension when they walk in lets me know this is not the place for black people and Courtney B. Vance's character is in danger and I wanted no part of this. Well, and I, you know, this is the moment when I realize as a white person again, um, I see, you really see the, the, the courage that it took for people like Uncle George to do this because he has to do this. He has to go to these businesses where he could get his ass beat, he could get lynched, he could die to protect the other people, to protect his community, which I think is very courageous and sad that it has to had to happen, terrible that it had to happen, but, you know. Um, so they go in, there's clear tension, they sit down, Letty goes to the bathroom, well, no, before that, the other dude that was in there when they came in leaves and, like, gives them a real dirty look, um, the shop owner gives them menus and then leaves and then like to the back of the restaurant letty leaves to go to the bathroom and which leaves our two male characters that we're following um at the table to like look at the menu and tick is not really focused on the menu like uncle george's he's taking in the store and he's seeing that there's a lot of like new very sloppily put together painting and like signs that aren't really on the thing and he makes the comment of why did they paint the white house white the british burned down though he's this is the story that um, uncle george is telling tick the british burned down the white house and when they rebuilt it the slaves were forced to paint the the uh building white so that it would cover the burn marks and this is in the moment when the tile moves and you see the, the scorch marks on the floor, the floor underneath the tile. Then, and cut with this, is Letty in the back of the store eavesdropping on the store owner on the phone with somebody saying... Uh, he didn't give them food after what happened to the other place. Yes, and she has a name. Uh, yeah, so what, um, he, he didn't give them food. He called and after what happened to Miss Lydia. I'm curious, Miss Lydia was clearly the former owner. And the reason we're here is because specifically, um, Uncle George was given intel that this was a safe space. That's why they go in the first place. So I'm sure Miss Lydia was, a, was an ally at the time. Um, and they burned her shop down. And I would assume killed her in some way enough to make this chalk because the, now the owner is like a 15 year old boy it looks like yeah um and so then letty comes in running out that room she said we would be good <laughs> the hell up out of here and she's gone <laughs> <laughs> which i would have done the same thing team letty all day every day uh, <laughs> so she runs gets in the car starts driving goes and picks up uncle george and tick and we have another charade, another argument about who's gonna drive. This is why when we're talking about how Uncle George respects women, I'm like, but does he if he won't let Liddy drive? I think that's the, well, 
that's the journey that he's taking is what I'm saying. Okay. He starts in one place, he ends in a different place. Okay. <laughs> we'll getting, see. We'll see right now, uh, uh, online people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, they get in the car and they're driving away from, and, and they're being chased by these men in a truck with guns and shit shooting at them. Um, and is this when the line happens? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> Uncle George is like, watch this, do this, do that, girl, girl, girl. And Letty finally has had enough. And she says, the name's not girl. It's Letitia motherfucking Lewis. And I wanted to scream for her. <laughs> That's when the queen claimed her crown. <laughs> like, because yes. she was when we saw her. And this is what she's like, and if you'll adjust my crown, I'm driving us to safety. Yes, ma'am, all day, every day. So they're chasing, they're chasing, they're chasing. And we get to this long stretch of road. And you see this other kind of converging road with this real nice looking uh, car coming. And they're going to end up like either hitting each other or missing each other just barely. And Tick makes sure, make sure that Letty sees the car. She says she does. And then, so timing happens to where the new car gets in between their car and the truck. And then at one point, this new car turns on its side or turns like perpendicular. <laughs> yeah, turns perpendicular to the truck and the truck fucking flies. It hits some imaginary wall and it's just tumbling with these racists just flying everywhere. Um, <laughs> and this woman in a red hat gets out to stare at Woody, the car that's carrying George, Letty, and Tick. Oh yeah, I forgot that was the name of the car. Yeah. Yes. And she's in a gorgeous, again, costume designer, hats off. Right? The fierce hat on, too. So, yes, they continue on to their safe house, which is um, Letty's brother, actually. And I guess he is, like, their informant or, like, a, someone who's researching a lot of places. Um, and so they're sitting down to dinner. And this is the moment when I think Uncle George has a moment because they're uh, talking about what happened and he's giving Letty her props. At one point, he's like, yeah, your name is Letitia motherfucking Lewis. And they, all, they all laugh about it. And so, yeah, I think this is the first time in which we're seeing some change in Uncle George with, when it comes to respecting women. They talk about Artem and how it is close to Arkham, which has some ties to Salem and witchcraft. And, like, Arkham was founded by witch hunters, but they don't know who... Artem was founded by, and so Artem is still in this kind of confusing state. Um, and so they decide that they're going to go to um, go to look at the plot of land and who owns it and how to get to it, essentially, um, the next day. So then we get to another really beautiful, sweet scene with Uncle George on the phone with his daughter, with Hippolyta behind her with a telescope. And I was like, I'm so here. For Hippolyta being into the sciences and yes. for a strong black woman into the sciences in like Jim Crow era. And so there, he and his daughter are talking and we have another moment here. He has to speak to the, her mom and he says, next trip, what if they go together? And I thought that was a really sweet moment for them. I kind of wonder if there was code in that because she holds the phone in a way which makes me think that she knows he's in danger. 
So maybe she just knew they were in danger because he said that. Mm, I didn't get that at all. I got it both times because I was like, that that's a weird reaction, especially for him to want to get the mother back on the phone. I think he was trying to like communicate that this one does not look like it's going to end well. But I'm a Debbie Downer, so who knows? <laughs> I get it. I get that now. Now I think about her reaction because she doesn't act very enthused by the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I get that. I, just, I, I didn't read it that way, and so that's really interesting. Um, and then we go to Tick and George outside, and Letitia. We hear Letitia and her brother arguing inside, and so we get another idea of this family dynamic between Letitia and her family. She asks her brother for money. The brother says he sent her money. What did she spend it on? She's saying that she first says she spent it on the bus ticket to get to Ruby. But then we find out that she spent it to bail people out of jail, presumably from protesting the Jim Crow laws, which infuriates him. And then he brings up that she wasn't there for the mother's funeral. And this is when we get another glimpse of what you were saying earlier about how that relationship was not the best because mm -hmm. she alludes to it she doesn't say exactly what the issue was but she alludes to it she's like you weren't a, you weren't aware of what was happening or something like that yeah uh, no like there's a story there and i'm sure we'll get it because it's gonna go all the places it looks like yeah with these with this first episode who knows because it gets correct <laughs> we're just at the tip of the iceberg right now um so, so Yes. They get back on the road um, and they pull over because Tick and Letty are having a disagreement. And while they're having a disagreement on the side of the road and Uncle George is in the car, we get a police officer pulling up behind Woody. So well, this is when I really was like, no. And the, and the before, Letty's uh, brother warns them. He says that there's two things you got to worry about in that area. This police officer who has like a ton of NAACP complaints and animal attacks. Mm. And the first one we meet is the police officer. And he is a real piece of work. The second the car showed up, I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Not today. Oh, yes. He um, gets out of the car, asks them what they're doing, and they're being very, like, as they have to do to survive, sadly um cordial and oh we're just here visiting we're passing through and this is when he asks them if if they are aware of what a sundown town is and they explain that yes they do and he says well this is a sundown county if i were if i were to he said if i were to see you here at night peeing like animals in the wild i would have i would have to kill you essentially <sighs> um so they think that they have negotiated a way for them to get out through county line before sundown um but he follows them the entire way and they make it uh, so their goal is to get over these train tracks in like seven minutes or something crazy like that and so they make it over the train tracks but as soon as they're over the train tracks there's three other officers to meet them and that's when I was really like, nope, not today. Yeah. The officers take them into the woods and they accuse them of, of robbing homes in the area. And they're all, and the, the three of them are like, we would never, we're not that kind of person. People were just moving through. And 
they of course don't believe them because they're racist assholes. And then we hear these sounds. Oh. <laughs> I think I sound just like them. You uh, did. Like if I close my eyes, it's like I have Lovecraft on right now. <laughs> Um, then they start getting attacked by these monsters with like all these eyeballs everywhere. Letitia and Tick are like, hell no, we go home. They run, <laughs> um, which is exactly what I would do. Um, but Uncle George is knocked down, and so he can't follow them. They get to a, a cabin, Letitia and Tick do. Uncle George is back. He's not dead yet, but he's back. He's not with them. They get inside this cabin, and another reason why Letitia is the best is the best character. So Tick has this moment of like, I gotta get Uncle George, he's out there somewhere, and Letitia's like, get your ass in this place. <laughs> She's my favorite. Like, I, my favorite, literally. I love her so much. Um, and then they, they barricade the doors, but then the fucking cops come. Oh, while they're running, the, like, two cops get killed automatically by these creatures, which I was kind of here for watching these racist asshole cops getting mauled to death by monsters. Um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> cathartic in a way. Uh, so yeah, now, now the police officer are in there with Letty and Tick and then they see Uncle George coming. And he, so they get him in and then the, um, I think, correct, is it the, the main cop that starts to turn? I think it is. That this hasn't happened yet because like they have to be sexist towards Letty first because True. Tick is too smart to go get the car. He might leave them, but she is not so smart, so she might not leave them. So they, so yes, Uncle George tells them that they're scared of light, and then they have this whole like vampirism and they're vampires. Those of you who know more about H.P. Lovecraft, are his vampires monsters or are they like normal pantheon vampires? I don't know. Let us know. And so um, they're. They're afraid of light, and so they have the idea of getting the, the car and using the headlights. And there's also uh, flares. There's flares in the car. So they have the idea to use the flares and the, and the headlights, you know. And so Tick is first like, I'll go. The cops are like, no, you'll leave us. Because I guess black men are just inherently selfish and intelligent. He claims he's too smart for his own good, so he might leave them. But Letty can go because apparently Letty's not smart because she's a woman. But she's made the smartest moves this entire episode. It just goes to show when there's one ism, there's another. Truly. Um, so yes, Letty is like, I ne she calms Tick down because Tick's like, no, I'm going to do it. But Letty's like, I can do it. You know I'm fast. I ran track in high school. And I'm like, girl, it's been some years since high school. I've had some things in high school that I can't do no more. All the things. <laughs> but if I had vamp monster vampires running after me, I might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't let her die. I love her. Don't do not do this. So she, gone. Got him. Running down the road. Which now there's a road. Right? There wasn't one to begin with. Where was this well, in the first place? No, but as I saw her run from the house with all the things chasing her, I was like, another black woman got to save the whole damn world. <laughs> yeah, so she's running for the car. Then we're back in the cabin with the, the guys. And um, Tick has this moment of the one, the one main cop has been bit on the shoulder really bad. And Tick has this thought. They've called the... Uh, oh, and Uncle George at one point has recited Dracula because he hasn't memorized. 
He reads the books. He has a bookstore. Hashtag goals. You right? know, I wish I could just pull out Dracula and be like, to be or not to be, you know. <laughs> but, it's <Dracula. laughs> but it's Dracula. <laughs> so um, he recites that. And then Tick has this thought of what happens when vampires bite humans? Quiz time, listeners. What happens to humans when they're bit by vampires and not killed? Hmm. They turn. Time, time <laughs> so this real, the real bad cop starts to turn, and Tick's like telling the other cop and the like to shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, and the cop's like, I can't do it. <laughs> Which? Uh, why do you have a gun if you can't use it? He was ready to use it on the black people. That's all I'm saying. Right. However, when there's an actual monster that's turned into a monster. <laughs> can't do it this is why i drink this is uh, why i drink i can't even drink today i don't know I can, this is my own fault for getting sick yesterday so i'd record it today so and then i really can't drink like we cut back to letitia she's made it to the car she gets in turns the car on hits the beams just in time to make this monster run away but then there's another one that pops up down and then she's got to like gun it anyway she gets out she's good she's um she's fierce so she's driving back, and then about the time, so the bad, bad cop the kill, eats the other cop because he's like, I can't shoot him. So he shoots, he kills him. Um, but then Lenny, like, plows his car through the <laughs> the shed or the whatever they're in and uh, runs racist cop over, racist cop vampire now over. And he, thank Jesus. All the racist cops are dead. Yeah. Um, in this part of the town, yes. <laughs> in the world, yes. Um, in this time period, you know. <laughs> um, they start, they position Uncle George in front of the, so Uncle George got hit or something? I don't know. He's, he, not, he's knocked out. He got knocked under something. I don't know if it was like a bookcase or a door, because he was like crushed when Tick pulled him out, and yeah. that's why he was unconscious and bloody. So they put him in, in the, high, in the uh, headlight so he wouldn't be attacked. And but then they bring out the flares and place them around the shed, and the monsters kind of go back. And then there's this whistle. <laughs> Our sound design is flawless. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the Emmys call me for an award, I will be there. Um, <laughs> Emmys, Oscars, Tonys, I don't care. I'll be there. Um, I'll be an EGOT. There you go. <laughs> You and John Legend is up there on your own level. (laughs) (laughs) And then so the the monsters go away with this whistle. And so they're like, what the fuck? And then it cuts to the next day and they're all walking on the road somehow um, and covered in blood, crossing the bridge. And then we come up to this huge mansion in the middle of nowhere. With the weird car in front of it. With the weird car in front of it that that saved the day earlier. They go and they knock on the door and this white man answers and he's like, uh, Mr. Freeman, we've been we've been expecting you. Welcome uh, home. Welcome home. Boom. In credits. That's where we end that. That ride that was the first episode. It's how we end it. That's just the first episode. The first episode felt like four episodes. That's which just is part the, of the reason I could not. That's just the first episode. Out of 10. It's going to be a long two months. Let me tell you right there. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, yeah. 
again, I really enjoyed it. I also understand why it is difficult for others to watch. I, like I said earlier in the first part of this episode, if you are white and you're uncomfortable by this, I'd still say watch it because we need to feel uncomfortable. Black people have been feeling uncomfortable for a long ass time. <laughs> right. <laughs> a couple seconds pass forever. Huh? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's our turn. And it, and it's 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 still enjoyable. It's fun. It's a roller coaster. There's monsters, there's racism, there's real life, there's fantasy. You never know what's gonna happen. Um, I loved it and I'm really excited to see where it's gonna continue to go. I I'm excited to hear how it goes. I am. I'm so excited. I'm so excited, in fact, that we are bringing in a guest pew, 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 for the next mini-series episode, or mini-sode. We don't have a name for it yet. We'll get back to y'all about that. Yeah. But the next one of these. <laughs> let us know if you have an idea. Like, I, mini-sode is used a lot, so I don't really love that. A lot of people use mini-sodes for their, like, mini-episodes. Uh, I like mini-series because it kind of plays with television. Oh, you know, is this a Twitter poll we're gonna have to have? I'm down, but y'all send ideas, so because I'm yes. But the next one of these things, um, (laughs) um, which are episodes geared towards Lovecraft Country, we're gonna have a special guest, um, Miss Crystal Marie Stewart. You will probably love her as much as we do, she'll be helping out next week. Be- Whoa, <laughs> this week, because we're an episode behind. It's going to be a three-episode week. Aren't y'all lucky? What a time to be listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Krista will be coming in, and she also watches a lot of TV and a lot of horror, and will have some really cool things to say about what happens in episode two, because I feel like a lot of people, when they hear this, will have seen episode two, because I know we have. But know that if you watch the next episode, if you listen to the next episode, you will be spoiled. Yes. So if you're saving it for the weekend, don't hit play on this next episode. Um, yes. And as always, stay fierce. Stay fierce. Thanks for listening.